Hey, Brian Johnson here with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock p.m. at 4302 Canal Street. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard. Check us out on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, or online, midcityvineyard.org. One thing we want to let you know about, this coming Sunday, October the 8th at 10.30, we will be having a blessing of the pets out at Bayou St. John under the large oak tree across from the post office. So if you live in Mid-City, if you want to be a part of this, come on out, uh, have a picnic with us. We're going to have jambalaya and hot dogs and serving it up, and we will be blessing all types of pets on Sunday, October the 8th, 10.30. So come on out and join us. Hey, this week at Mid-City Vineyard, we did uh, Fifth Sunday Stories. This is entitled I Am MCV, and we have various people who are part of the Mid-City Vineyard community just sharing stories about the things that are taking place in their lives at present. So we hope you enjoy. Much peace to you. Every fifth Sunday that we have, we've decided to make the fifth Sunday what we call I Am MCV. And the idea here is that different people who are part of Mid-City Vineyard would just take the, the floor for a minute and give us a little snippet of what's going on in their lives. Uh, it could be something you're being greatly challenged by, something that God is uh, stirring within you, uh, any number of where your frustrations are lately, whatever it might be, but also how the Mid-City Vineyard church community is, is playing a role in your life. I went to... Uh, uh, an open AA meeting uh, a number of months ago, and one of the things I noticed was just how intense the, the community was, the, the AA community. And I have a number of friends who are part of AA, and I'm always intrigued by how much the other people in AA play a critical role in their lives. And my observation, my personal observation, is that a lot of times I see uh, that people who are in AA or in some kind of other uh, um, addiction recovery program, often have incredibly stronger connections than people even in the church often have to one another. And I think that's good for those who are in addiction recovery. I think it's sad for those who are part of the community of faith. Because in my understanding of the community of faith, there should be no stronger community, ultimately, than the community that has understood, truly understood, what it is to be reconciled together through Christ. It's, it's, it is the thing that breaks down Christ and his reconciliation is the thing that breaks down all of the boundaries between addicts and non-addicts, between black and white between those who sit and those who stand during the anthem. It is the, uh, the reconciliation that we understand and we experience in Christ breaks down all the barriers between the right and the left, between Clinton and Trump. It breaks down all the barriers between those who, who, who uh, are driven uh, by fear and anxiety in, those in their lives and those who are driven by peace. It breaks, it just, I could go on and on. It breaks down the barriers. So I was talking to one of my friends who... Uh, who is very active in AA. And one, one time I, I even I asked that question. I said, what is, what is one of the things that seems to make the community of AA so strong? And, and, and what is your observation on how the church seems to be lacking sometimes in this area? And one of the things that my friend said to me was, well, a lot of times in church, when we get together for meetings, you do all the talking. 
and we do all the listening. He says, but something that's actually different in AA is a lot of us, we, we all have an opportunity to talk, and we all have an opportunity to listen. We all have an opportunity to be engaged in the stories of one another. Now, I think that those stories in our community of faith, I think those stories happen. I think they happen on Monday night at Red Bean Monday. I think they happen at the Bulldog. I think they happen during Coffee and Connection to some extent. I think they happen in our lives, and yet at the same time, one of our desires here at Mid-City Vineyard is to create even more atmospheres for it to happen, even in this setting. It's hard to do in a church of 500. (laughs) That's not us. (laughs) So we can do it. And so the fifth Sunday of each month, we try to set aside an opportunity for people in the community here to actually say, hey, here's what's going on in my life. Tonight, I think you're going to hear stories from three people who are more or less uh, what we might say success stories, and I'm happy about that. But I want you to know before we do this that if your story currently doesn't feel like a success story, your story is just as valuable in the community, if not more. Because sometimes we run the risk when we do this, we run the risk of hearing a success story. This is what God's doing in my life, and, and this is how amazing the community has been in my life. And sometimes you might find yourself sitting there saying, yeah, I'm not really there right now. Like, I really don't feel like God is very successful in my life right now. Matter of fact, tonight I'm really struggling with God. And I want you to know for future reference, for future points, for future IMMCVs, that I'd like for you to get up here and share that story too. Because I, I, I taught last week, we've gotten some good feedback from last week, but we know that the, the, the journey with Christ is not just an always upward, steady, always awesome journey. There, it's got dips and it's got bumps and there, there are victories and there are valleys and, and I think it's all important. So I want you to know that in, in the event that you're not in a super strong place tonight, even if someone else talks about something that's going really well, uh, God's, God's still with you wherever you are. And your story is equally important. So tonight, uh, I've got a couple folks who volunteered to, uh, to talk. And i got to say, when I post this uh, in different places, and I say, hey, we need some folks to talk, call me and say, I'll talk. We need, we need more of that. So tonight... Uh, I told you you'd hear from some folks about our Mexico trip, and Sean LaFort uh, volunteered to, to give us some feedback on what kinds of things took place with him in Mexico and, and what kinds of things God's doing there. So, Sean, why don't you come on? Why don't you guys welcome Sean? Sean's going to go first tonight. Come on, Sean. First time here. We took a trip to Mexico. We, um, uh, I want to first thank Newman and Eric again. I know we thanked y'all before, but I want to thank y'all again for setting all that up and and uh, coordinating all that because that was awesome. And I know it was a big undertaking. I want to thank Mike for the itinerary that he made up. Oh, Mike is, there you go. Uh, that was awesome as well. Uh, we had a great team that was over there. I mean, we had uh, 10 adults and two kids, and this wasn't just a vacation. This, we did some, some work. You know, we did some serious work over there. And uh, we went to uh, Door Faith, 
and they were blown away by the the different things that we were able to accomplish over there. I mean, we did some painting, we did some, we built an awning for them. It was some awesome stuff, and, and they were blown away by that. And um, I, I just think it's awesome how we are such a small church, but yet we were able to do this mission trip and to to really bless some people over there and to you know just just see how how the spirit is working uh, working over there because. The spirit's the spirit's there. I mean, we we weren't bringing God to them. They God is already there. God's working. Um. So it was just it was just awesome to see, you know, how 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 they do things over there and what was going on. Um. When we went to Mount Horeb, Mount Horeb was a place for um, for teens that basically had no other place to go. They were troubled teens. They, uh, if they wouldn't be at this place, Mount Horeb, they'd either be in jail or on a street somewhere. When we were there, we didn't really get a chance to spend a whole lot of time with the actual kids because they went off to school and stuff like that, but they, I didn't actually see how they were troubled teens. These, these were some good kids. <clears throat> Wish we would have had a little bit more time at, at Mount Horeb because we did find out that there was um, a lot more that we could have done there. Um, as far as maintenance and work that we could have done for them. It was some communication issues and stuff, but um, we went into their chapel, their little chapel, and we, uh, the, the husband and wife couple that run this uh, troubled teen orphanage is uh, Lupe and his, his wife, Chewy. And um, we, it was just awesome how there was no you could feel the, the Holy Spirit working, even with the, the language barrier. There was no language barrier that, that you could just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit there. Even while we were praying for it, it was, it was great to have uh, uh, Nelson and, and uh, Julio over there to help translate some things. So they spoke Spanish, and it was great to have that over there. But uh, even when we were praying in Spanish, just the, the sense of the Holy Spirit being there and uh, Lupe actually started to pray his own prayer while we were praying for him. And just the Holy Spirit just being there, it was just awesome. We met um, this, this teenager that was there. We kind of heard his story in Spanish and got it translated to us. He was so inspired and, and um so he felt the love from Lupe and, Ch- and Chewy that he actually changed his name and wants to be considered uh, Little Lupe. Because, like, he considers Lupe his dad, and he wants to be co- considered and called Little Lupe. And I thought that was awesome. When we went to the Valley of the Palms, which was actually a, uh, it used to be a landfill. And it was, it's just dump. It was just, you know, basically people were making houses out of whatever they could. And um, all their stairs are just tires that were stacked up. We um, we went there to um, we bought some water, some filtered water for them, and we went around this mountain and uh, calling out, you know, free water to the community. 
and all everybody would come out come out with uh, whatever they had. I mean, just any kind of bucket or you know bottle or whatever they had, just to fill up. And we'd fill their water up, and we 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 would pray for them. And uh, when and there again, we would have Julio or, or uh, Nelson pray. We, we we would pray in English, and they would translate it to the family in Spanish. And uh, there was just one family. I'm not even sure what was that really said, but it was a family that was a young mother, and they had like three or four kids, and just just hearing the prayer in English and then trans, translated into Spanish, there again, it was just like the Holy Spirit was there, and I, I was really moved by that. <clears throat> Dave, Dave is the guy that kind of runs the the charity at, at the, the Valley of the Palms. And we heard from his assistant, um, Martita. Martita's story was amazing. Uh, she, Dave was there to help whoever he could, financially or you know however he could help, he was there to help. But she would actually go and hide from Dave whenever he was around because she was she was ashamed of you know who she was and how she was living. She was addicted to I think it was crack. I think. Um, you know everything. Every time she ever made money, she went and bought drugs. You know, and uh, so she was just ashamed of where she was. And she she got help from Dave, but Dave never knew about it because he you know. But just hearing her story and. Um, he was just persistent, and that was that was kind of the theme the whole time. Was, you know, these people were letting the Holy Spirit just work, you know, do His thing um, in these people's lives. But, but Dave was just persistent. He was just there, and he just gave her the opportunity to, to come to Christ, and, and she eventually did. He actually gave her money and keys to the, to the facility which before she was saved and before she came to Christ, she would have used that money and she probably would have, you know, used that money for drugs and did whatever to the building, you know. So the fact that he, that he trusted her to give her money and to give her the keys uh, to, the, to the building, to his establishment, was just amazing for her and changed her whole, whole outlook on things. And um, like I said, that was like the reoccurring theme was that the Spirit's there. And he was just letting the Spirit work, but he was just present and just there and just giving help, just, just being there. I felt that um, it's, it's something that we can do here. Um, just allowing the Spirit to work and to... Just be aware of, just be present with them, to, to give them an opportunity to change, to, you know, let the, let the Spirit do His thing, but, yeah. Um, when we went to the, this was a men's thing, that was, they were all, 
all addicts and all addicted to something. They were they worked. This 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 facility was incredible. It was beautiful. Um, they built probably six or seven buildings in an 18 month time period, and it was all people that were addicted to the drugs, but they they came to this facility and they they got cleaned and they got saved and. They were the workers that put the time and energy into this establishment, and we got to uh, experience their their uh, their church service, which was pretty cool because that that too was all the songs that we sang was sung in English, and then we sang it in Spanish, and then we you know the the service itself was. Uh, spoken English and then also translated in Spanish and it was just it was just awesome to see how much they've already done and accomplished in that little bit of time that 18 month time frame and uh, like I said it was a, a, a beautiful place there um, I think one of the things that really hit me the most was after everything was said and done, we, you know, we, we did our work and everything. We crossed the border to come back home, and we went to Denny's for breakfast. And <clears throat> I was thinking, some of these people don't have; they might have one meal a day. And we were able to cross the border go sit at, sit down at a, a restaurant, have breakfast together. And we, uh, you know, they, they might eat once a day. We were able to go there and eat breakfast. And that just hit me really hard. It was like, um, it was an eye opener to, to feel that, to sense that because, you know, they don't, they don't have the, the privilege of that, you know. We actually served breakfast at, at the Valley of the Palms. And um, this establishment, um, they started doing lunches as well because they realized that the kids were taking the breakfast and getting a refill of breakfast and putting it in their pocket because they didn't have lunch. So just, just the fact that we ate breakfast together and, and we were back in the United States and I just didn't want things to change just because, you know, we. I wanted to remember that and to to keep to keep that at heart, you know. So I think it was an awesome experience. I'm I'm so glad I went. I'm looking forward to you know future times that we are able to do it. Um, like I said, the team was great and everything. And um, yeah, that's that's it. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate that. All right, uh, Connie. Connie's got something for us. Okay, my name is Connie. To give you a little bit of background, uh, I grew up Catholic, whole life. Went to Catholic school, but never really felt a part of the church community. Um, back in 2005, I was going through a divorce and was really hurting. And my sister, who was a part of Vineyard and Kenner, invited me to come to church. And so I went. And it was weird. I felt guilty after leaving because I actually felt good 
one I loved. Um, and I kept going back and really enjoyed it. And, and I found for the first time in my life that I developed a relationship with God. Never had that before. And so fast forward a little bit. I'm now remarried. And Jeremy and I are part of the church. And, you know, we, we like it, trying to get involved. But again, something's missing. And Vineyard, if you've never been to that one in Kenner, it's a large church. And it was that community connection. And I tried. I mean, I was got involved in Alpha, did all the community service projects, um, was part of the Stephen ministry, um, got involved with dinner with friends, but it just, it, it just wasn't happening. And I remember Jeremy and I were in church and they announced that they were doing a mid-city plant. And we both looked at each other and it's like, yeah, it called to us. This is something that we're interested in. We immediately contacted Brian, sat down, had a conversation with him, uh, came back home, talked about it, prayed about it. And he's like, yeah, we, we feel this is where we need to be. And I was like, well, if we're going to do this, I really want us to commit to it and be all in. And so we did. We got a part of it. Um, now, just like anything that you know that is good for you, you resist it. Just like everybody knows that exercise is good, but we make every excuse not to exercise. Um, so, I mean, there were a lot of times in the beginning, I wanted connection, but I found myself avoiding connection. And, but I didn't give up. Uh, you know, and I, Brian, especially, kept pushing me out of my comfort zone. And I started giving into it a little more and giving into it a little more. And, um, I started making connections and more and more. And, you know, I realized it, it, it's, it's funny that not only is he bringing people into my life, but God is using me as an instrument to go into other people's lives. Um, you know, I can remember I would have this idea in my head of something I wanted to do, but I would never act on it. And then Brian would come up with, oh, we have this community project that we want to do. And it was like he read my mind. That's what I wanted to do. And so I'd get involved in it. Or I would suddenly be overcome with this feeling that this person needs a hug and some encouraging words. And that is not characteristic of me to go and do that. But you know, I did. And so I see him using me also to be involved. And so for the first time, I can honestly say that I have a church family. I feel connected and I welcome the little nudges that he gives me to push me out of my comfort zone. And that's how I know when he's working because he's pushing me and I'm not shying away from it. And it's getting easier every day. Tony, thank you. And Sean, thank you. Uh, one more this evening, Ryan. And I'm going to let you use a mic also. Hello, everybody. I think most of you know me, but for those who don't, my name is Ryan. The one you see, he usually has a smile on his face, laughing, joking around. But nine months ago, I didn't have one. I 
just got out of a long relationship which had a bad breakup. I was in a bad place. I almost gave up on God. I was lost and I didn't think I belonged. I was heading down a dark road and I feel God's hand on my shoulder gently turning me back around, leading me somewhere, but I had no idea where. I had no idea what he wanted me to do. One night, while I was wrestling with what I should do, God showed me Brian at Mid-City Vineyard. So I prayed on it, and prayed on it, meditated on it, thought about it. Wasn't sure if I was going to show up here. Finally, I decided to come, and I was so glad I did. I was met with open arms. Being somewhat of an introvert, I was nervous to show up. Putting myself out there was something I'm not good at. As I came in and sat down, Brian immediately approached me and remembered me from Kenner. Struck up a conversation which made me feel at home. After coming a couple weeks, I knew I made the right decision. I knew deep down this is where God wanted me to be. And after a couple more weeks, I knew I needed to live in this community, support it, and help establish Mid-City Vineyard. After a few months here and listening to teachings, I'm finally understanding what it actually means to be a Christian. To live selflessly, to love, show grace, power under, and most of all, have faith again. This church, this community, has helped me be who I was again, enjoying life like I had a purpose and I was finally seeing what it was. It's to be here and grow with this community. My faith is stronger, my connection to God is stronger, my compassion is stronger, and most of all, my love is stronger. My name is Ryan, and I am Mid-City Vineyard. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Guys, I, I really appreciate uh, what you've said. Uh, I appreciate more what the Holy Spirit is doing in your lives. Uh, because this, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm firmly convinced that uh, transformation comes from God. We don't will ourselves into it. We don't, we don't will our hearts to change. Uh, I think that's something that God does, and we, we cooperate. We cooperate. But one of the greatest ways that God changes us, one of the greatest ways that God meets our needs, uh, one of the greatest ways that God reveals God's self to us is through one another. It's through community. Now, there's always this, this thought, you know, and we even talked about it last week in, in part, um, just about what it looks like uh, to, to connect with God. And, and there's, this, there's this thought, we talked about the, the birds of the field and uh, the birds of the air and Jesus saying, hey, don't worry, because God's going to take care of you. And we, we fall into these patterns sometimes of thinking, well, God's going to take care of me. That means that ma money is going to magically find its way into my mailbox or into my bank account or something like that. But, you know, money doesn't magically ever find its way anywhere. The way money gets there, if, if money ever arrives in your mailbox in the nick of time when you needed it, okay, yes, in a way, sure, it was from God, but God didn't ever write a check to anyone. 
But what God does is he works through his people to meet those needs. But the way God does it is he does it through us. That's what God does. That's how God works in the world. God works through his people. Uh, there's this quote by Jean Venier that I love. It says, uh, stop wasting your time running after the perfect community. Live your life fully in the community that you're in today. And I think there's something very strong to, to be said there for us as a church. And um, I've told you guys before, there are a couple things that you can rest assured if you're part of Mid-City Vineyard. Uh, one is that you will be challenged to grow in maturity in Christ. Uh, one is that you'll be challenged to connect with others. Another thing that you can rest assured of is that I and Christy, we will let you down. And I think it's good to know that you can rest assured there that we will let you down because if you don't know that we will let you down or if that someone else in the church will let you down, then when you get let down, your expectations will not have been met and you'll be tempted to go find another community that's more perfect. And I want to promise you that you will find another community that is more perfect initially. You always will. But eventually stuff hits the fan in that community too. And then you have to decide, what am I going to do? I believe that we're made to live in community. I believe that it is in community that we actually flourish, flourish and mature and grow as human beings. And I don't think that happens on the, in, during the honeymoon phase. I think true maturity, maturing, true growing, true flourishing happens once the honeymoon is over with. And you actually have to deal with and work with real life. I think marriage is amazing in the first year. I mean, it, uh, unless you, you just flat out married the wrong person right away. But most of the time, that first year of marriage is just, it's amazing. And then couples get past that first year and they start to wonder, what in the world happened? Who are you? I'll never forget the first time I said to Christy, what, like, what is wrong with you today? And she said, Brian, this is my normal self. <laughs> laughed at the man behind the curtain i i but i i remember it very well and and she said you know what you've experienced up until this point was my dating self what you experienced up until this point was my initial married self but just so you know this is my normal self i thought oh And it was, but it, but it was so beautifully revealing, and it was kind of like, yes, this is what this is what we do. This is ordinary. This is normal. This is beautiful. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is how I learn in marriage how to prefer in good times and in bad, in ordinary and in super exciting. This is how I learn how to serve and how to be a husband and how to give of myself. And I think the same is true in our, our walk with Christ and our walk with one another. Stick around long enough for some stuff to go wrong and you'll begin to learn more about yourself. Stick around long enough to learn how you'll work through it and I think you'll start to see some maturing in Christ in yourself. If we actually believe that we were made to live in community, then we will be able to grow in that community. We'll be able to mature. 
we'll be able to move, ebb, and flow. Remember, uh, Micah, put that verse up. Colossians 1.28 is one of our primary passages around here. But Paul says, we preach Christ, warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity in Christ. To be mature is to be basic. It is Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. My goal for my life, my goal for your life is that we would grow in maturity in Christ. And the way Christ is going to form that in us is through one another. So buckle down and let's, let's get after it together. That's my encouragement to you. In families, in communities, and in congregations that are vibrant, there are certain patterns that go along with it. And let me, let me tell you about this and then we share communion together. But there, there are a couple of key patterns that go along with strong relationships, strong congregations, strong families. Uh, some of these patterns involve the ability to make and keep promises to one another. To actually promise one another that, hey, look, I'll, I'll be here for you in this. When you make that type of promise and then you follow through on it, that builds community. Another one of the promises is that, or another one of the patterns is that we would live truthfully and that we would speak truthfully to one another. You know, when, you, when you've already made the promise that you're going you're gonna to be there with somebody, then you can also fulfill the promise of speaking truthfully in love and, and knowing that, hey, this person has my back. I was telling Christy, I got into a... Uh, uh, I, I, I'm in a bit of a conflict with my father-in-law right now. I'll put it that way. And we're going to work it out. And I spoke very honestly, and he spoke very honestly, and we're speaking very honestly. But I told Chrissy, I was like, I didn't really have much trouble speaking honestly with him because regardless, tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and he's still going to be my father-in-law. I'm not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And because I know I'm not going anywhere and I know he's not going anywhere, it gives their safety within that for us to disagree and to be able to now say, hey, well, let's go get waffles next week, which we're going to do, and let's go eat breakfast and let's, let's talk this thing out because I'm not going anywhere and you're not going anywhere and you can't have your daughter back. And so, you know, <laughs> this is, it is, it is what it is. But see, do you see where there's actually, there's actually safety within that? Strong congregations, strong communities, strong families have that. We speak truthfully. We keep promises. Something else we do is we express gratitude. And we learn to express gratitude. We reduce our grumbling and our complaining. Do you know that grumbling and complaining actually have an incredible uh, tendency to destroy community? Grumbling and complaining. If you are that person, whether it's at your job, whether it's in your family, whether it's uh, in the church, whatever it is, if you are that person, I want to strongly encourage you to not be that person. To move away from that and to learn and grow in gratitude. It's a community destroyer. It's a job killer. It's a friendship ender. But communities that grow strong practice gratitude together. And communities that grow strong practice hospitality. And hospitality, we'll do another series on this soon. We've already done it one time. But it's where we create space in our hearts, our minds, our lives, our spirits, our physical environments for others to come in.
So when we talk about MCV, when we come to the table tonight, it's important that we realize a couple of things. It's important that we understand that we all come from different places and spaces and areas in life. It's important to understand that we all come in here for different reasons. We're all looking, and in one sense, we're all looking for more of Christ. But in lots of other areas, we're just coming from different spaces. But our common purpose is Christ. 